0: the analogy is like you know for boomers and gen x uh, newspapers and <laughs> magazines for the younger ones the like a, like a subscription to a loot box or something like that so <laughs> yeah you have a person that is publishing things right they're, they're sending you magazines they're sending you newspapers they're sending you you know swag things and you as a person can subscribe to that for a period of time
1: Welcome to Working Code, with your three hosts who never make off-by-one errors, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim.
2: Okay, here we go. It is show number 69, and on today's show, we're going to be talking about PubSub, catching and throwing events. And as usual, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails, but first... I have uh, a birthday coming up. I'm going to be 40 a couple of weeks after this airs and it starts already. And I I have an issue I'd like to raise since I'm officially going to be old. I'd like to take this opportunity to have my very first old man moment. (laughs) Do it. I have two children and They are 11 and 13, and as 11 and 13-year-olds do, they spend the vast majority of their free time watching other people play Minecraft on YouTube. Right. (laughs) Most of these people playing Minecraft on YouTube are, I would guess, between the ages of, like, 16 and 30, maybe a little bit less than 30, like 20, 25, and there's... There's just this common thread. Anytime the number 69 comes up in the game, I have a stack of 69 wool or whatever it is. They have to say nice. Nice. And it drives me nuts because it's like you are making content specifically for children. You're making children's content and you're making innuendo jokes. Mm, Gets under my skin.
0: I get it. I, I, I think I mentioned this on the show before, but I told the kids about the back in the old ye old days when you had landlines and no caller ID. If you wanted to see who called you, you dialed star sixty nine. Yeah, <laughs> they like, they're nice. like, nice, nice, <laughs> and I, I, I think I said this too that they said, what happens when you dial a star four twenty? Does your weed guy show up? <laughs>
2: <laughs> your kids are a little older
0: though. They they get yeah, it. Sixteen and eighteen.
2: Yeah. So it just, it's a pet peeve of mine. So old man over, I'm done with my rant. Thank you. For or it's tri- just starting. Welcome to the club. First of many. Thank you for allowing that. So <laughs> now, as usual, let's start with our triumphs and fails. And uh, Tim, you're up first, buddy.
0: Yeah, I'm going with the triumph. I'm off all this week. It's spring break for my kids. Uh, we don't really have any plans. It's, it's just, actually, it's just been really nice not being at the computer all day long. You know, I, I realized just how kind of burnt out it was just sitting here in this this exact same chair that I'm at right now, every single day, day in, day out. And yeah. I've been outside and just getting my vegetable garden ready and planting tons of stuff and just playing in the dirt. And it's, weather's great. And yeah, I'm loving it. Just, I feel, I feel energized. I'm, I'm actually, I think I'm ready to go back to work at the end of this week. So Nice. quick. <laughs> <All right. laughs>
3: I have a question about the gardening. So I know with farmers, they have to rotate their crops to keep the soil healthy. Is that yeah. something that gardeners have to worry about or, or not on fertilizer the, not, basically not, take care not on of
0: it? A small, not on a small scale. Like, I just, you know, I've just got, I mean, it's a pretty good sized garden, but it's like every year I just kind of add to the soil. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're doing huge like acres mon- of monocrop, mm. yeah, that that's a problem. But it's like, yeah, if you're, you know, just you got like 10, 15 rows, crop rotation is not a big deal.
2: Okay. Gotcha. I've thought about that too. We have a garden, and my wife tends to plant, you know, the tomatoes in the same spot and the the cu- cucumbers in the same spot. So the, I guess if you're adding topsoil, that adds yeah, everything that you need. Every
0: single year, I buy big bags of composted cow manure and like soil nice. conditioner, and just till it in. So it, it's basically different soil every time. So
1: yeah, you're getting fresh. Yeah,
0: yeah. But that's me, Carol. How about you?
1: Man, I'm going with a triumph. I got a couple uh, yeah, of yeah, them actually. <laughs> I got engaged this weekend. Yeah, so, yeah. Nice. 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 <sighs> yeah, Steve asked me to marry him and I said, um, yeah, sure, I guess I can. So, <laughs>
2: cool, as you guys can see, the smile on her face right now. <laughs> I know. She's it's um, like ear to ear.
1: <laughs> and it's been like this since the day of. So, and the day of the morning that he proposed, I also signed a promotion at work. So I am now the manager of engineering. So manager of engineering and got engaged and he took my stitches out of my foot. So yes, things are just great.
0: Your your fiance
2: or your boss took
1: no, the stitches out? No, no, no. <laughs> Steve
2: Which came first.
1: The stitches came out, the promotion, then the ring.
2: Okay, so when he took him out, he was your boyfriend.
1: Yeah, he was still the boyfriend <laughs> then. Yeah.
2: Order of yeah. operations.
1: It is crazy. I keep like forgetting to say fiance. I pick up my phone. I'm like, call my boyfriend. I'm like, oh, I should probably change that to fiance now, huh? You
2: haven't changed it yet. Not yet. Not yet.
1: It'll get there, I'm sure, at some point. So I'm super excited.
0: Yay. I'm excited for you. I I mean, I'll be honest. I've known you a long time. I honestly never thought this day would come.
1: (laughs) No. He, He called both of my boys and that's what the oldest said. The oldest is like, there's no possible way she was ever getting married. So you're the only person that's ever had a chance. So congratulations. <laughs> you should have done it already. <laughs>
2: wow. Oh, that's that's nice. a that's yeah. classy move.
1: Yeah. Call and got the boys permission. Then call my mom. Then call my best friends. Then ask me. He call me. Yeah. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> you can yell at him if We're you We're not like. best
2: friends, apparently. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, that's me. Yay. It's, a, it's
2: a heck of a way to find out you're not somebody's best friend. Right. I know,
1: right? Sorry. Uh, I love you guys, even. though.
2: <laughs> love you, too. Congratulations. So happy <laughs> Congratulations.
1: Thanks. All right. What about you, Ben? What you got?
2: I'm going with a triumph. Yeah,
3: follow that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This will be a pale in comparison, but uh, I'm going with a triumph, which is that I did a presentation at work. And nice. to call it a presentation is very liberal. It was five minutes of screen time in the midst of a much, much larger presentation. But it, sometimes it feels like no matter how long presentation is, the stress of preparing for it, especially as an introvert, feels just massive. But uh, I did it. It was basically a little brief history about my uh, path at Envision and, and how I see the company and how, what my experience has been like and uh, and where I am now. And uh, I think it went really well. And I got a lot of really uh, positive feedback. And uh, I was so mentally drained, though, when I was done. I finished that meeting was at like 1.30. I think I put in another hour of work and then I had to take the rest of the day off. <laughs> it's just the five minutes of screen time was so exhausting, but I feel really good that I did it. So
2: was it the screen time that was exhausting or was it the six hours of worrying prior to the five minutes that was?
3: Well, so it's funny. So the meeting was 12 to one thirty, and I had penciled some time in at like 10 o'clock to do a little bit of rehearsal. And so I have five minutes of time allocated and at like 7:30 that morning or 8:30 that morning, I was like, you know what? Let me put a little time in now just to ease the nerves. And I ran through it the first time, and it was like 22 minutes long. Oh, <laughs> I was no. like, okay. I was like, okay, I got four hours. <laughs> to cut this down to five minutes. So there was a lot of slicing and dicing. And actually, I have to say, this was really interesting. Having to pare it down from the 22 minutes to five minutes, I got rid of a lot of stuff that probably could have been construed as negative like mm. me complaining or or talking about how certain things were hard or I, I don't know just some things that may have rubbed a few people the wrong way not everybody but a few people the wrong way and having to get it down to 5 minutes i basically got rid of everything that felt unnecessary and a lot of the a lot of the grumpy stuff was unnecessary and i pared it down to really just the essence of of my experience and and it came out sounding i think just a lot more professional which was nice so Having to pare down, I sort of saved myself from myself. So, yeah, feel really good about it. That's me triumph. Uh, well
2: done. Oh. I, I said well done. I meant nice. Nice.
3: <laughs> what about you, Adam? Take us home.
2: I'm gonna make it four, buddy. I also have a triumph to share. Uh, totally unrelated to work. I, well, okay, it's tenuously related to work. So we talked recently about I did my I had my 10 year anniversary. I got a nice little bonus from that. Yes, nice. And I was specifically given instruction with that bonus that I was not to just put it in the bank, that I had to do something extremely frivolous with it. And I had a couple of ideas here yeah, and there. It's my
0: money. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I had some ideas here and there. I have no shortage of expensive hobbies, so it was not difficult to find a place to allocate the money. But where I eventually landed, my father-in-law has been a longtime woodworker and nice. um he, this weekend, they came up to visit. <laughs>
1: that was good. That was so good.
2: And and he came up and he let me borrow his lathe. He just has a little, it's the, the like entry-level Harbor Freight benchtop lathe. What it's is a lathe? It's nothing special. A lathe, is, you make round things with it. So it's a motor and it spins your piece of wood. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. And then like a table kinda, leg, that kind of thing. Yeah, a table leg, a baseball bat. You can do like bowls and stuff. This is going to be a difficult <laughs> show. So he let me borrow his lathe and... I had way more fun with it than I thought. Like it it turned out to be so much easier than I was expecting. I had this intimidation factor that I was just expecting it to be difficult and I I didn't, I wasn't really looking for a challenge and it can be kind of an expensive hobby a little bit. It like, it isn't. There's, so here's the thing. This is what's exciting to me about it is not only can you buy the lathe, but like, now there's this whole other list of accessories that you can spend all kinds of money on, right? <laughs> the shopping—that's the fun part for me. So yeah, I'm just—I'm—I've already, I guess, is the right word—I've already turned my first bowl and been playing with all kinds of fun stuff. So, cool, um, cool. having a great time. Very cool. I—I I remember nobody said it. Nice, uh, nice. <laughs>
3: I remember working with a, a hardware customer years and years ago, and they were talking about how specialized tooling is and he brought up lathes as an example and he said that there's a special kind of bolt or something that keeps the wood from spinning off and like there's like a, at each end there's a special kind of bolt that keeps it in place and he says there are companies that specialize in just making that bolt hmm. and i don't know i just blew my mind
2: anyway yeah. random
0: random aside
2: nice <laughs> <laughs> it's, i'm trying to make it real old real fast so everybody just hates it
0: tim here I hope you're enjoying the podcast. You know, we put a lot of work into it. It really is a labor of love. There are costs, however, and if you'd like to help us out, one low friction option is to sign up for a free trial of Audible. All of us at work Code Pod listen to Audible every day. So it's something we believe in. I personally have over 500 titles. Most are fiction, some coding, and other nonfiction titles. I'm sure if you don't already have Audible, you'll find some great titles to listen to. Long story short, if you'd like to help us out to cover the cost of the show, sign up at workingcode.dev slash audible. That's workingcode.dev slash audible. And thanks. And remember, your heart matters.
2: Anyway, let's talk about PubSub. Yeah. Well, yes, Adam, why don't you explain to us what PubSub is? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I guess at its simplest form, the way that I understand it is broadcasting events and receiving events. In, I guess you could technically do it in process, right? If you have a, a monolithic application, you don't have to do something out of process to, for it to qualify as PubSub. But I think that it tends to lend itself well to uses that incorporate multiple technologies or, or multiple services, integrating external satellite type services sort of thing. So you broadcast an event and maybe you're broadcasting, I made a sale, somebody has checked out. And so there might be something that logs that and might be something that charges their credit card, something that sends a welcome email, something that, you know, and all these things are just listening for the, I made a sale event. But the thing that that records that event, that broadcasts it has no concept of what's listening on the other end. It's just, I made a sale and here are the details. And I don't care what you do with it.
1: And those are the subscribers.
0: The analogy is like, you know, for boomers and Gen X uh, newspapers and magazines <laughs> for the younger ones that like a, like a subscription to a loot box or something like that. So <laughs> yeah, you have a person that is publishing things, right? They're, they're sending you magazines, they're sending you newspapers, they're sending you, you know, swag things. And you as a person can subscribe to that for a period of time. And so anytime they publish something. If you're subscribed to it, you're going to get a notification. You're going to get the magazine. You're going to get the the loot box, or whatever. If you choose to stop that, then you no longer get it. So that's that's sort of the the analogy of it.
3: Well, I, I think a lot of people.
0: I, I would venture
3: to say that most people who listen to this podcast have actually used pub sub on the lowdown and don't even realize it. And that's yeah. because the browser DOM event bindings are all pub sub in that everybody. Who runs JavaScript on the page can bind to say the document on click or the document loaded event, right? And then something somewhere triggers that event, and now all these callbacks get invoked, and that's basically publish and subscribed, Except to Adam's point, that's happening in process, right? It's all in the one JavaScript and and uh, document object model instance. But you can have pub work across multiple systems as well.
1: So I've been challenged at work to come up with um, a solution for communication between our systems. So these are end users in one system communicating with our customer support team. So if you think of like chat, but not immediate response, And we want the end user to send a message and then our customer service team to get notification of that message and have the ability to respond to it. But then we don't want to have anyone stepping on anyone else's toes. So once they're in like looking at the message, we don't want the message to show as available for work. We want it like in a in-process kind of state. So anyways, that's kind of the goal. So I was looking at Pusher and socket Socket.io. The, the drawback with Pusher was I'm not really for sure how their connections work and the tier I was looking at buying only allows 500 open connections at a time. And we have like 10,000 users. So I didn't really think that 500 open connections would be enough unless it's 500 open connections per channel. Mm-hmm. And does each channel exist? Like I didn't understand all that. So I just kind of took a step back and we actually are going to go with a whole nother route, but it did make me go, okay, how does this work? Like how do pub subs work? Like, how do you pu- like? I understand how to publish. I understand how to subscribe, but then the connection between the channels—that's where I get a little lost as far as what's considered like a connection and how many channels do you have open? And then the private versus public, and then the idea of the presence. So, for what I was trying, which I may still need to use something for this for the present side of it. So, when the user opens up that message, I want it to show in progress for all the other users. So no one else picks it up. And if they don't do anything with it, then I want it to show back in the work queue as, okay, someone needs to go look at this message. And I think that the presence feature and pusher would be an option for that. I just don't really know yet. I still got to go learn more. So hopefully you guys can open up my eyes a little bit here.
3: There's a lot to unpack there. I can tell you that I have a lot of hands-on experience with Pusher, that's what we use on the legacy platform. And essentially just for other people's benefit here, Pusher is a completely managed WebSocket service. The WebSocket system doesn't exist on your servers at all whatsoever. So the browser will connect directly to Pusher's WebSockets. And then we communicate with the browser from the server by making API calls from our backend servers through their rest api and then they propagate it down through their web sockets. So the, so the right off the bat the really nice thing there is you just don't have to worry about any of the infrastructure related concerns. Right. And you also don't have to worry about what happens if a user gets disconnected from a websocket or the server that was serving up a websocket crashes or is being deployed so it gets taken out of rotation and then a new server gets put into rotation. You don't have to worry about all of that handshaking and, and rigmarole about making sure people are connected to the right things. So that's been very helpful. The the cost that you're talking about, the open connections, yeah, that's, you can think of connections basically like a browser instance, and it's expensive in, yeah. in that there, there's basically two, two levers that they can pull for their pricing. There's the concurrent connections and the number of messages. The... Messages is much, much cheaper. You can send like millions of messages a day for very little.
1: Oh, yeah. I was if like, those, I think our messages are easy. Like, that wasn't what I was yeah. worried about. It's the connections.
3: We're, to be completely honest, we're like on a seventh level custom enterprise plan with them yeah. because we kept running into the connections limit.
1: Yeah. Because if you run out of connections, it just doesn't allow anymore. It's not like, oh, we're going to roll up and charge you. It just, nobody can get on until connections are open. I was like, well, that's not a good thing solution for us
3: yeah i th- I don't know what the exact cost is but our pusher bill is definitely in the
0: thousands per month yeah hmm. C- can i ask you why the choice for pub sub versus message queuing
1: i just looked up a few things and pub sub seemed fun and i wanted to learn something new yeah. i wanted something that would update the interface easy so i didn't have to add anything and pretty much like i could just add the script to it whenever the subscription here like I guess it's here. Is that the right way to say that? So when the subscription like reads the event, it just automatically updates the page for me with very little changes needed.
0: So does, does the component that you're sending the message, does it know where the destination is typically, or it, it, is it kind of unaware of who all out there is using it?
1: It would be un a, oh, well, Okay it would know that it's going to a certain system. So we would Mm -hmm. know what two systems are communicating and you would be authorized. If I looked, if everything I was reading was right, basically we authorized to the channel from the server itself, I think. So I mean, I think it would know where it's going. I don't think Mm -hmm. it would go out into like an empty space and then have to figure out a path.
0: Yeah, because that's the big, I mean, that's the biggest difference between a pub sub model versus a message queuing. So if, if you know where the destination is, you can just cue the message up and then that message will eventually wind up going to where it needs to go. And, you know, if it doesn't receive a response that it expects it, you know, it, it, it's out, it can re queue the message. Right. So w- with, with pub sub, my mental model of it is that, you know, people subscribe to a message and, or to a, to an event and you don't really know who those people are. You, you, that, ignorant of that so you just push it out and say hey this happened and everyone who subscribed to it does, you know takes action
2: yeah and there could be multiple consumers and you may not even know what they all are starting now like you could decide to add them later yeah so, so, so
0: my point my point is saying you know I might want to step back and say you know maybe maybe message queuing might be a better solution than just PubSub. pub
1: Yeah, the solution we're doing right now is actually just going to be writing it because we don't need to do any notification through email or text or anything. So we're just literally going to write the message to a table and then read it from the other application because they have access to each other already. They're both ColdFusion servers. They're actually on the same box, just they are served up different for whatever user you're on. So they already have connections to each other. So we're just going to write read and then i just need something to handle the presence so that we don't have people stepping on each other's toes and that was the place where i was looking at pusher again was for the presence feature inside their channels just to know if someone was in there looking at it Hmm. to then update it back to like in progress on the fly without any refresh needed
2: so if your primary goal is awareness of who else is like on the same page basically i did Something like that in our product with a very simple database polling. So basically like while you're on the page, it's just br- every, there's a timer runs and every 10 seconds or something it says, I'm here on this page. And, and when the page loads, it's JavaScript says, okay, this is the URL and it makes that Ajax request every 10 seconds. And then the response that it gets back from that is the list of everybody else that's currently on that page. And then it updates the UI of who's still there from that and what happens is so let's say the timer runs every 10 seconds after 15 seconds if you haven't checked in again then the next time that somebody does a read for that that, that page see who's there you're you'll be deleted so we do like a cleanup pass and then select who's still on the page and mm-hmm. and include that in their response and that that is a very simple and lightweight
1: yeah that's not way bad to do that Yeah, because the view we're thinking of is a queue. So it's going to be like a queue of messages that need responses to them. And Mm -hmm. it would be so when any customer service member is in that queue looking at what messages they need to reply to, they don't pick up one that another customer service user has open on their side. So it would just be slightly different, but using, I think what you're, I think what you're saying would work.
2: Yeah. I mean, what about an initial step where, so if there's a message that needs to be, like, even something as simple as like a support ticket, right? So it, to prevent multiple support representatives from responding to the same ticket, if before you can even respond to the ticket, you have to like claim it as yours, then if somebody else claims it, like if you claim it and then I two seconds later try to claim it, it'll tell me, oh, okay, Carol already has this one and, and it won't let me take it.
1: Yeah, that would be an option too.
0: I mean, could, couldn't you do that with callbacks rather than? Setting up some sort of pub sub or message mean, queuing. So basically, to, to claim once you claim it, that that sends sort of a message out to change the the status of it, so that it's, no one else can get it.
1: Yeah, I would just need to make sure that the queue update, like that view updated for all the mm. users in that page.
3: Yeah, the nice thing about the WebSocket connection between the browser and a backend server is just that the the browser doesn't have to sit there and pull for it; that the event will just be pushed to it when it happens.
1: Yeah, that's what I was liking. It seemed really clean.
2: And I think in that type of a situation, the extra niceties of something like Pusher, where it's dealing with deploys and what if the server crashes and that sort of thing, are less of a concern because if the server crashes or if you're doing a deploy, then it's less important that connection survives that event. So you could do something simple built in, like a a very basic socket I/O or whatever your app server has built in for WebSockets would be really... Useful there. I I feel like we're uh, spending this, our our topic is PubSub stuff and we're spending so far like almost the entire time trying to talk you out of (laughs) PubSub.
1: Oh, no. It was wanting to know more about it because it was, okay, the way we work right now is we have cycle work and you get put on a project like, hey, we're trying to accomplish this. There's no guidelines. There's no, you have to do it this way. There's no, like, there's literally no information other than here's the problem that business is trying to solve. Take it away, come back in like two weeks and give us an idea of how you think you can solve this problem. If they have thoughts, they'll put them in little bullet points like, oh, well maybe consider this or consider something. Like they asked me to consider using front. And I was like, okay, I'll consider Front because we have a contract with them already, but this does me nothing. I literally would have to send to Front's API, tell them to save a message, send a message back when we're just going to store the message ourselves, Like we want to be the source of truth for the data. So I don't want to go push it to Front to just create a view of messages. Like this was silly. So I did the the initial, okay, it's not front. So then I was like, okay, well, what can I do? And I went down the route of writing data. I went to the pub sub. So it was just fun to get to learn. But then I just had more questions like, what would this be used for so if not for this case?
2: I, I totally know exactly what you're talking about. This isn't for me at all. But for those who might not know what Front is, can you give a little explanation?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Front is pretty much like a data aggregate. So it allows our users to see like all of the emails coming into our customer service box. And it gives them the ability to create things in conversations. They can respond to stuff. Like we have views over every communication going on. We can run reports on it. It's just a front to a data. So it can do your voicemails. It can do your your text messages. It can do your Facebook messages. It can do WhatsApp. Like all kinds of, of like channels, a team to
2: communication, collaboration type platform. Yeah,
1: it just puts it all in one spot. So the business thought that we should just use Front to do the messaging. When it made no sense because Front can't store our data, we have to be the source of truth for it or like our Google bot has to be. So
2: I'm sure the listeners that didn't know what that meant appreciate that (laughs) explanation. So on their behalf, I will thank you.
0: (laughs) You're welcome. I'm
1: sorry. Yeah.
0: So are you building this in Amazon as well? Is this all part of the Amazon thing you were working on too? Is this something different?
1: So we were. So me and another engineer are working on this project and we were going to put it up on AWS as just like a TypeScript project. We hadn't really went far with it yet. And that's when we backed back out and realized that leaving it in our cold fusion project actually makes sense for what we're trying to accomplish. There wasn't a reason to break out a separate application yet because it's not going to be communicating with anything outside of the legacy platform that already exists. And it's not going to be moved over. So there was no reason to add extra complexity to a process. It's not really that difficult if you think about it. It's literally just writing a message telling someone to go look at the message and allowing replies now. That's it. So it didn't gotcha. make sense to, to build it out into a big, bigger project. But it was fun to research and figure out yeah. if we could go that route.
2: Oh, yeah. And with 10,000 users, you do have some considerations you need to think about for whatever solution you come up with.
1: Yeah.
0: reason I ask because uh, you know, our friend of the show, Brian Kloss, uh, he, he has several articles from not too long ago, 2019, about cold fusion and using sns from amazon oh, yeah to do pub sub yep. so if you, you maybe maybe take a look at that
1: we did that with the last project that i used actually oh, okay. we used so we have the lambda that pushes out to the natural language processor and then it sends over to a message queue and it does the notification and then we just do a webhook back end for relaying to cold fusion
3: yeah it yeah. sounds like the hardest part is that last mile between the the boundary between the server and the client that at some point you can use all this fancy backend infrastructure, but at the end of the day, something has to tell the browser that something happened and that, Mm -hmm. and that's a little bit more limiting.
1: And that's where I was like, Ooh, pusher's so sexy for this, right? Like it just works. It doesn't require a lot of changing. Like it, it just plug in. I got It's just plug and play with what I was doing. Like it didn't require a ton of effort to change things. So So, I was like, oh, pusher. I was like, I don't know with the connections if they'll go for that or not. So, then we did look at socket IO, and I was just worried about like what Vim was saying because we're then going to have to manage all of those connections. And I think there is like a server engine for it that could do it. I just, again, we would have to learn all of it. So,
3: I can tell you that at work, there is a team that I don't know if socket IO is the technology they use, but they were managing their own web sockets and essentially. They may have solved this problem, but for a long time, there was a huge period during the day that they weren't supposed to deploy those servers because they would have disconnected all the users. And the application at <laughs> the time depended really heavily on the fact that the web sockets worked and yeah. getting disconnected, everybody would like their whole system would sort of just freeze up. So it, it, that, that was a, It is a big challenge if, if you're deploying those boxes. I'd say that's an anti-pattern. Oh,
1: yeah. We deploy all the time.
3: Right. <laughs> We've been using Pusher, I don't know, probably close to a decade now. And at the time we were comparing it, we were were coming down to a decision between Pusher and another company called PubNub. I'm not even sure if PubNub still exists. I think they, they got really huge in the game community. And at the time, the thing that sold us on Pusher was they had much more of a security mindset, at least compared to PubNub circa 10 years ago. A lot of the companies that I've seen... Their security is really security through obscurity, where they're saying, use a UUID for the (laughs) channel name so that no one else knows that they can subscribe to it. And Pusher, they actually have a first first class citizen security model where you can actually, the browser client, their Pusher JavaScript client, will make a request back to your server to get a a token generated using your private key, and then they'll have to, and then the Client passes that through with the subscription to the channel. So you essentially, your application has to authorize every user's connection to a private channel, It's specifically for private channels. But that was what put us over the edge with Pusher. We appreciated that security was actually a thing baked into the platform itself.
1: And that's what I liked when I was looking at it, because we do have a piece of our application that's open to the public. So a user can come in and not know their login and just submit a request. So they would be able to submit with some generic information, like our customers do it. They're like, we don't want to log in, but here's the request for this. So we would need to be able to authenticate and prevent any, I guess, yeah. bad actors. And,
3: and and the nice thing too, and I'm just going off the top of my head here. I, they have three different types of channels, I believe. There's like a fully open public channel that doesn't have security. then by convention any channel that starts with a private dash is a private channel and goes through the authentication workflow and then i think there's like a presence dash workflow yeah. that's specifically for the the presence stuff you're talking about like this many people are looking at this channel right now kind of a thing
1: I like yeah,
2: presence The,
1: the presence yeah <laughs> presence are <laughs> great and we'll do a birthday nice. coming up <laughs> Yeah Yeah the presence was the fun one to kind of play around with and learn so
2: So i was googling a little bit about what's it called Pusher and Cold Fusion, And yeah. I found a bunch of these blog posts by this guy, Ben Navel.
1: From like 2010, 2011? Yeah, they're really old,
2: yeah. but I was wondering if you guys know him or...
3: Ew, what's great uh, is like that stuff is relatively unchanged. I went to use Pusher again the other day in, a, in a, just an experiment. And the code's exactly the same, more or yeah. less. Other than, I think when I first wrote that, it's all tags, and now yeah. it's all script.
2: Yeah. Actually, I did have a question for you. and Not at all because... Uh, I haven't read them because as we know, as your best friend, I (laughs) have read everything you've ever written on your blog and have perfect recall of it all. But you know, for the people who haven't read your blog, um, one of the the reasons I haven't done more with PubSub personally, I have a a great uh, fondness for Redis and I wish that I could use PubSub and Redis because we have our own Redis instance that we use for a lot of things. And it's probably my favorite piece of our stack. But one of the reasons that I haven't used it specifically with PubSub for our stuff is because we our, the majority of our legacy application is still CFML. And there, there used to be really great support for, like, it wasn't API gateways. Was, was it just gateways?
3: Like the event you know gateways? In-
2: event gateways, yes. Thank you. And I feel like that would have been a good use case for them to have the published messages sent to you as an event in the event gateway. I'm curious it, it, if it wasn't if not just for Pusher, or I guess maybe through Pusher, is it just calling webhooks for you? Or how is that broadcasting events into your Cold Fusion app, or does it only client side?
3: Oh, so yeah, maybe I should clarify there. My experience with Pusher is purely from a pushing from the server through the Pusher API to the browser. I I believe they have SDKs for having server-side technology actually subscribe to WebSockets. I just have never had a, that's never been a use case for us personally, but Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that exists. Because I mean, anything that can connect to a WebSocket should be able to leverage it, but I've never connected to a WebSocket from a server before.
2: And it, I mean, it's built on top of Java. So in theory, anything that has a Java SDK should be quote unquote possible. But as, yeah, as yeah, I think yeah. I've mentioned a few times uh, with other topics, I have never quite managed to get the the rain dance and the voodoo doll incantation stuff just right to get the more complex Java libraries to actually work with ColdFusion. Well,
3: and, and speaking of Redis, so mm. I've... I have a love affair with Redis, but I use it for so little, but I want to use it for so much more. <laughs> it's uh, so and, great. Yes. And one of the things that it has that they make really apparently dead easy is PubSub. The problem is in order to leverage it from Cold Fusion, at least with the, the jedis library, which is the primary Java driver for, for Redis, mm-hmm. to use their PubSub, you actually have to extend one of their Java classes and I'm at a loss of how to do that in Cold Fusion. I've tried so many times like I've even tried to build compile like a little Java class that extends it, and then I could instantiate that Java class. but I don't know anything about Java or compiling yeah. Java, and that's so it's I'm sure for anyone who actually was good at Java, it would be very trivial to to build a class that extends it and then make that available to Cold Fusion. But for someone like me who's not familiar with Cold Fusion, that's like climbing Mount Everest, it feels like. It. I so badly want to use Redis for pub <laughs> for no uh, other reason just to know how it works.
2: I love 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 working with Redis. It's so, oh, it's fast, so fast and oh. so simple, and yeah, it's just amazing. I, I, I do. I, I Ben was talking, it made me
0: wonder because there's been several recent updates to Lucy's Redis drivers mm-hmm. plugin, and I don't know if there's one called Yamaha three two zero zero. They have where they're adding pub sub to it. To the Lucy oh, plugin. So that
3: has it, me curious.
0: I'll put it in our little chat here so you can take a look at that. I mean, I, I mean, I just, it was just a simple Google. I don't, it may be nothing, but I'll take a look. Yeah, because I, I did notice the other day when I logged in my server, I'm like, oh, and there's a Redis update. So I'm ride or die with Cold Fusion. I
3: love it. But this is one of those moments where I can hear Adam in the back of my head being like, if it was just JavaScript, it would be a lot easier. <laughs> like, you would just instantiate an object and it would just work.
1: Done. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, that is my job in life is to remind everybody how JavaScript could just be better. <laughs> JavaScript everywhere.
3: I do love JavaScript. I'm a man who loves many things. And by many things, I mean two things. JavaScript and, and Coltisha. And not talking
2: to people. <laughs> and not talking. To, uh, sometimes I love that most of all. <laughs> and you your in your doggo. I was going to say like, Lucy. So uh, this episode of Working Code was brought to you by 18 to 25-year-old kids on YouTube playing Minecraft saying nice and <laughs> listeners like you. If you like what we're doing here, you should consider supporting us on Patreon. We have a bunch of people helping us out over there, and we appreciate you all. Special thanks, of course, to our top patrons, Monty and Peter. If you'd like to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash workingcodepod. All of our patrons get early access to an ad-free version of new episodes and our after show. And here, let me ask you guys this question. When was the last time you searched a podcast directory for something new to listen to? That's right, you never have because you're a normal human being. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably listening to us right now because of a recommendation someone made to you. So you owe it to that person to pay the favor forward and recommend us to at least two of your friends and colleagues. And Jeff Bezos will mail you a hundred. Wait, that's uh, the spam I'm sending out after this. But anyway, share the show with your friends. They'll thank you. We'll thank you. It's a win-win. And that's going to do it for us this week. We'll catch you next week. And until then,
0: remember, your heart matters because you're nice.
2: Nice. <laughs>
1: You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.